Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Mr. Shearer, thank you very much for the time. And when you hear Mr. Trudeau say... Uh, this is not the time to be meeting in Parliament uh, on Monday, and he's obviously not very much in favor of your idea of four meetings per week. He likes the idea of one. What's your response to Mr. Trudeau? Well, first of all, he's creating a, a, a false uh, worry. Uh, no political party is talking about having all 338 members of Parliament in that chamber. Uh, we've already shown twice before that we can come together in smaller numbers, a representative uh, group from every caucus, and that we can improve upon the legislation and the programs that Liberals have brought forward. So our position is, you know, we started off asking for four. Uh, the government didn't want any. Uh, you know, we believe that, uh, that, that we, we, were, we were offering to be flexible and taking a look at three or even two, but we do believe that it's essential have oversight on the government at this critical time. We're getting better results, better programs, and enforcing them to be accountable for the mistakes that they have made. Uh, what, what is, what's your expectation? What's going to happen? Because the Green Party is suggesting you're grandstanding. Well, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I saw Elizabeth May's uh, comments where she was complaining about the fact that there was not a lot of room in the MP lounge uh, to, to spread out and, 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 uh, and relax. Uh, there, there are lounges on either side of the chamber uh, that MPs frequently use when the House is sitting for several hours a day. Uh, we're talking about a large chamber that was built for 338 people. Uh, we're talking about having less than 40 MPs in there. There are many entries and exits to that space, and I am very confident that when we're talking about spending hundreds of billions of dollars in the next uh, few months, when we're talking about the government's response, uh, keeping people safe, uh, determining where the supply chain for protective equipment and medical equipment is going to come from, uh, we need to get better decisions out of this government. And Parliament's already shown that we get better results when we meet and hold this government to account. And I believe that it is that it is essential that we provide that oversight during this crisis. So let's talk about what the reality is. We have uh, medical professionals that have been on this program many times. Uh, You speak to them as well, and uh, we're going to have more on this weekend, and they're very, very woefully short, dangerously short of PPE. Uh, And uh, I, I don't know how well we're doing as far as providing the supplies that are required, but... What's your assessment of that, and uh, what, again, is your assessment of the, the, the decisions made by the federal government as far as putting money into the hands of Canadians during this pandemic is concerned? Are they doing it properly, or are, they, are, there, are there gaps in their logic that you would uh, want to identify? Right. Uh, two very good points, and I'll deal with the medical equipment one first. Uh, the, we're very concerned. Uh, first of all, we found out this week uh, explosive evidence uh, that the government actually dumped uh, millions of pieces of equipment just months before this pandemic hit. Now, of course, no one could have known that this pandemic was going to happen, but there is a government department 
public health that is supposed to maintain stockpiles of equipment for the what-if scenario. And we learned this week that uh, this government cut funding to that program and actually eliminated the stock, the huge swaths of the stockpile. Uh, there was a gentleman in Regina who put a bid in for, he had a dumpster company, and he put a bid in to help dispose of the equipment. So we went into this crisis shorthanded without an adequate supply because this government decided that it wasn't a priority to maintain that stockpile. Since then, we've asked uh, as early as, as early March about procuring new ventilators. Uh, the government said that uh, they were going to have a new strategy. And last Saturday, we were told that, that it's still going to be weeks away. So we still have grave concerns about our ability to get this uh, much-needed equipment very quickly. As it relates to providing programs and services, I want to preface my remarks by saying that we acknowledge that the government has to move very quickly and that the normal process to have months and months of, uh, of consultations and uh, meetings with stakeholders, that wasn't possible. So we are we are understanding of that, but we are still hearing from people who are falling through the cracks. There are still people who are saying, look, uh, I'm an owner-operator of a small business. I'm not eligible for any of the programs right now. I had a phone call with someone from a mining company who said that they don't really deal with revenue. Uh, it's more difficult to show that they should qualify for the wage subsidy based on revenue because mining companies often are very capital intensive in the front end and then pay off in the later years. So we're trying to work collaboratively with the government to address these uh, these gaps, but uh, it is getting frustrating that some of these fixes are, are taking weeks and weeks to, uh, to, to do. Yeah, they're talking about the equipment or the PPE having expired, but I, I, I'm not a medical person, so I don't know. But I, it would seem to me that if you don't have enough and you identify, you can identify you don't have enough and you're not replacing, then what's the expiry date really mean on an N95 mask? I mean, something is better than nothing, and if that's what it is, then it's expired by a few days or weeks or months. Why wouldn't you be uh, keeping it in, 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 in the system? That's just a, sort of my, my off the... Off-the-cuff question. Um, the, do you think we're working sufficiently? Do you think Canada is working sufficiently effectively with the United States? We have the announcement this morning the border is going to remain closed for another 30 days. Do you find that satisfactory? Is there something else that you think should have taken place? No, I do believe that that's the right call to, to, to keep the travel restrictions in place. We're seeing uh, explosive numbers coming out of several regions in the U.S. Uh, look, uh, we weren't, like all Canadians, we were outraged when uh, President Trump uh, it seemed to indicate that he was going to uh, prevent much-needed supplies here from coming into Canada. These are supplies that were ordered, purchased, uh, paid for, that uh, with an integrated supply chain, parts move back and forth for, to, through each country. So, you know, it's it's been a little bumpy, but uh, overall I think that uh, there's a good level of cooperation, and and, uh, and I, I anticipate that will continue uh, going, going into the coming months. Okay, Mr. Scherer, a few weeks ago, the Liberal Party and the government, and Justin Trudeau particularly, wrote text into the federal pandemic relief legislation, which would have permitted the finance minister to tax and spend without oversight for 21 months, in effect, kicking the Canadian Constitution to the curb. You called the Liberals on it. So did the opposition parties, the other opposition parties. What do you say the Liberals were up to? And let's not forget that taxation without representation was the cornerstone of the American Revolution. I'm not suggesting anything here other than looking at a historic perspective. Uh, when you look back at that, what do you think they're up to? Well, I think it's just in their nature. 
You know, uh, it's like the, the scorpion and the frog. They, they can't help themselves. Uh, this government has shown that it does not like transparency and accountability. They've used their majority to shut down inquiries into scandals in the previous parliament. Uh, they refused to name a permanent auditor general to get to the bottom of some of the mismanagement uh, in, in their own department. So I, I think they, they looked at an opportunity. Uh, I think they, you know, they, they put an egregious clause in there that they were always willing to pull back. They still wrote themselves a lot of new powers in that in that bill and used the uh, you know the leverage that they had in the support of the Bloc and the Quad to to do that. We were able to get many uh, sunset clauses put in, so at the very least, many of these measures would be temporary. But it's uh, you know it's. It, when Justin Trudeau says he admires the basic dictatorship of China, uh, it's always concerning when he looks for opportunities to give himself and his government more power. And the fact that now they're resisting so heavily a, a continuation of parliamentary oversight and accountability uh, is, is certainly very concerning. I have two questions for you, and we have one minute. China, when, when I say China, you say what? I say uh, corrupt dictatorship, uh, communist human rights abusing, uh, not to be uh, trusted. Uh, and I think the world needs to rethink and reevaluate uh, our relationship uh, with China, our dependency on them. And that's one of the things that we should be learning from this pandemic and uh, addressing for the next time. And when I say oil and gas sector and the energy sector, which provides, well, I think it's roughly 10 percent, isn't it, of our GDP? Uh, what do you say? Because... You know, there's $1.7 billion now to clean up dormant oil wells, but is there enough being done for the uh, for the energy sector? I'm asking the question I know an answer to, but no. go ahead, please. Yeah, no, no it, it's really not enough. Uh, this government has crippled the oil and gas sector by canceling pipelines and bringing in new regulations, and now this pandemic is having a, another effect. When I think of the oil and gas sector, I think of the miracle of, uh, of of that uh, ethical source of energy, the ability to get fresh fruits and vegetables trucked into Canada in the winter, uh, the life-saving plastics that are used in medical procedures, the hundreds of thousands of families who have jobs and can support their families from it. Uh, you know, and, and it drives me crazy when I see those uh, people who, who scapegoat that industry, who act as if it's something to be embarrassed about. Uh, the, the oil and gas sector, the, the, the innovation and products that come from it have, have improved the quality of life for all mankind, and it should be celebrated, not something uh, that is uh, apologized for. I hate to correct you, but it's people kind. <laughs> well, the political correct police can uh, send me a ticket if you like. <laughs> Thank you for the time today. Good talking to you. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.